title of today's sermon is Home After Christmas. It is taken from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Y'all ready for Christmas? Got all the gifts bought and packaged and ready to go underneath the tree? Guys, you still have one more day. You know, got a few hours left. Still get it done. Do you need me to pray for you? <laughs> Let us pray together and ask God to speak to us this morning through his word. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for this day in which we celebrate our Savior. Help us to remember that he came the first time to give us hope of redemption from our sins. The second time he comes to give us a completion of that act as we will enter into his presence forever and enjoy him and his kingdom. We look forward to that day. And as we look back in time to the time in which he first came, Lord, help us to worship you and to remember all that he accomplished for us in that act. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I have an important birth announcement to read. Proud parents, Joseph and Mary of Nazareth, Israel, formerly of Bethlehem, would like to announce with great joy the birth of their firstborn son. His name is Jesus. He came into the world on December 25th of the year zero while at the home of a family member. His parents traveled to their ancestral home in Bethlehem in order to be counted for the Roman census. The baby Jesus weighed in at seven and a half pounds and was 18 inches long. He is the first child of his adoring parents and was welcomed by many friends visiting from around the local fields and the small village of his birth. The king in Jerusalem, upon hearing of his birth, asked the wise men for the location of the baby's birth, asking them to go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report back to me so that I can come and worship him also. After their hearing with the king, the wise men made their way by the star in the eastern sky and found Jesus and rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Both mother and father welcomed him into their home, whereupon seeing, they fell in worship of him. And then they presented him with many expensive gifts. Well, we've never seen a birth announcement like that before, have we? But today we do celebrate his coming, his birth. And there's something special about that, isn't there? Christmas, Christmas Eve always is anticipated, especially by children. We remember that anticipation when we were young. But looking forward to that day... Uh, maybe not so much for the birth of Jesus, but for the presents we were going to get. But uh, we also look back on Christmas Eve's as another year passing. So I trust each and every one of us are anxious to celebrate tonight and tomorrow. But we must remember that Christmas is, as you often hear from pastors and from those pundits, that Christmas is not so much about the lights, the trees, the songs, and the movies, and the food. It's about something else. Christmas is really about worshiping the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I do love Christmas. I love Christmas morning, especially getting up at a 
later time than normal and sipping on some coffee, looking out the window, just enjoying time with my wife and family. Of course, Sue and I miss our physical family. They're away from us in various states. But we're here with our spiritual family, so I appreciate that very much and enjoy the relationship that we have with those who believe the same things that we do. Now, as I grow older and as I approach retirement age, I'm reminded that our future Christmases will be spent with our blood relationships with our children and grandchildren. And the renewal of those relationships that have been sort of put on the back burner for many years will be, a, will be special, especially around the Christmas season. It will always just seem a little bit sweeter when we're with family. Yet Christmas is not about trees and songs and food or even family, whether it be blood or spiritual family. Despite what every Hallmark movie plot puts forth, Christmas is not a magical time of the year either. Christmas is not about the mystery of the season. It is about the worship and adoration of the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us eternal life as a free gift. That's the best and most wonderful gift that you could ever receive. Eternal life, gratis. Nothing needs to be done. Nothing needs to be merited. All you need to do is receive it, accept it, believe in the gift of God. When Christmas is over and all the food is consumed, the gifts have been ripped open and the wrappings taken out to the recycling bin, what is left, really, of Christmas? What does it mean? For many, Christmas is a time of exhaustion, of busyness, and for many, emptiness. For most, the Christmas season is just a time to be run ragged rather than a time of worship. Your tank is on empty, and the import of his birth just doesn't seem to compute. You're just glad at times that it's over with and you can move on. Well, we should really take time this Christmas season to worship him, to meditate upon him, to know him in a deeper and a more significant way. Please watch the following video, which speaks of the wise men's trek to see Jesus. Thank you. 
We tend to romanticize Christian. You know, there was no music playing in the background as they traveled. You know, we tend to think this way. But when the Magi or the wise men or whatever you want to call them showed up and rang the doorbell at Jesus' house, it was for the purpose of worshiping him. As the video pointed out, they traveled hundreds of miles to come and do this. And there wasn't choir singing in the background. These shepherds showed up and they had come thousands of miles perhaps across fields and and mountains and through deserts to visit Jesus and his family. And when they arrived, that first Christmas had actually come and gone. The second Christmas had also come and gone. And perhaps even the third Christmas As this video showed, the child was actually a child and not a baby. And that is more accurate. So when we think of the wise men arriving in Bethlehem right after the birth of Jesus, that's probably not correct. Best scholarship tells us that as they traveled those hundreds, perhaps thousands of miles from the Middle East, from probably somewhere in Iraq to Bethlehem, They must have been tired, exhausted, and upon arriving in Jerusalem, just looking for some rest, not even knowing where they were going or what they would see. Finally, upon arriving in Bethlehem, they found the child, Jesus, and instantly 
realized who he was and his import, and they began to worship and adore him as the king of the world. Yet, I wonder if they were tired from the Christmas rush, if you will, from traveling all that way. Were they exhausted from the trip, as many of us are as we make our Christmas preparations? These wise men had a logistical nightmare in dealing with the trip just to get where they were going, watching out for robbers on the road, providing for the foods that they would need in the water. And so I'm sure that when it was all over, all they wanted to do was to return home to rest. But there was an unforeseen problem that arose that they must address. Well, with that as our introduction, would you turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter, 12, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We've looked at this in the recent past, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective today. You can find this text if you need to use our Pew Bible on page 957. The wise men found themselves in a real pickle. On the night that they visited Jesus and his parents in Bethlehem, they received a warning in a dream from God. There was an impending disaster that they had to deal with. Now, let me read for you the text. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars that arose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said. For that is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time that the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, come back and tell me so that I may go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then he opened up their treasures, chests, and gave them to him. Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, to return to their own country, they did so by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Obviously, the infamous, the wicked, the jealous dictator of Israel a man who had killed thousands of his own people, a man who enslaved members of his own family, was in a fit of rage. Like other dictators of the same ilk, Herod was obsessed with interlopers who would come and snatch away his power. Early in this text, we learn that the the boot-licking mystics had informed him that the expected Messiah would indeed be birthed in Bethlehem. So Herod, treacherous as he was, 
sent the wise men on a trip to spy out the possibility that this baby was the claimed Davidic king. After Herod thoroughly questioned these wise men about their quests and about the timing of the event, he asked them to return to him, tell him of the child's whereabouts, that he might too go and worship him. He understood Jesus not as the fulfillment of prophecy, but as an existential threat to his throne. He was committed to doing whatever it would take to deal with this potential rival to his power. The child actually posed no danger to his reign, but that's not the way that Herod saw it. So the Lord, guiding the wise men by this same star, who had traveled from somewhere in Arabia, he warned them in a dream to follow an exit strategy of a different kind, another way. In Matthew's text, we are told that the wise men left for their homeland by a different route, a more difficult way. As you can see in the map behind me, see if I can get this to work. Do you see a light? Where's the light? Anyway, as you can see from the blue line starting at Syria, they came down to Jerusalem and uh, met with Herod. But on the way home, they will leave by a different route, by this route here, either underneath the sea, the Dead Sea, or they will uh, travel across it by boat. They did not return home by the same route, lest they have trouble with Herod. So they traveled home a difficult way. Physically, it was more difficult, and uh, they traveled home spiritually different as well. The direction of their lives was changed the moment they came into a meeting with Jesus Christ. The physical direction of their life changed to be more difficult, and the spiritual direction of their life was changed that night. The question for us this evening or this morning, I should say. The question for us this morning on this Christmas Eve is, has the direction of our lives been changed by the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you making your way home, as the wise men did, and to where is that home? What home are you going to? How has the Christ child changed the direction of your life? He changed the very direction of their lives, both physically and spiritually. Well, the wise men went home different, spiritually different, as they rejoiced in the hope that they had seen in the king of the Jews and one who would eventually be king of this world. What an awe-inspiring event they experienced on that day. Can you imagine their emotional state as they left Bethlehem after being warned in a dream not to go back to see Herod? To take a different direction home. I'm sure that they discussed amongst themselves in their party what they had heard and what they had seen in their trip. I would have loved to have been a fly on a camel's back and heard all of that. Hey guys, I had a dream last night. I think it was Yahweh, the God of the Jews, as he warned us to get out of Dodge while the getting was good. He also said, and I repeat, not to go back to Jerusalem. For that wicked man, Herod, has evil in his mind. We're to go a different direction home. You can almost feel the anxiety 
in the text in verse 12 as God warns them to go a different direction. They just experienced the event of their lifetime and now there was danger inherent uh, in their travels. So these magi, these wise men, these men from the east, they are wondering what they've gotten themselves into as they start and make their way home. Think about it. They had no idea where they were going when they started out. They were just following some bright light in the sky. And when they get to the place of what they were going, what do they find? Not a full-grown king surrounded by majesty and, and gold and, and uh, thrones and all that stuff. But they find a, a child, perhaps a three-year-old. And yet they praised and they worshipped him and they showered him with extravagant gifts. All of this had to raise some profound questions in their hearts and minds. Question like, who is this child king? Is he really God? What's the significance of the cosmic event that we have just experienced that has led us to his home? Why is Herod so intensely interested in this child and wanting to do nefarious things to him? Could this really be the promised one that the Jews so often speak about having been predicted? Lots of questions, but frankly, few answers. Now, most of us, I believe, have made a similar pilgrimage to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us here have actually gone to the Church of the Nativity. We've actually gone to the place where Jesus was supposedly born. Of course, there's a church there now over it in the little town of Bethlehem, which has now sprung up to be a, a city. And there's a square there, Nativity Square. You have to duck underneath the shortened doorway in order to enter into the church. In a sense, we're, we've taken that same proverbial trip. And this morning, we do so in a metaphorical way through the text that we've read. And some of the same questions that they've experienced, we've experienced in the past. Should we worship the child that was born in Bethlehem? What is this Jewish king's significance to, to you and me? What and why do some people act like Herod? Why do some folks hate this child who would become king? Why do some people want to erase this baby's legacy from the pages of history? Modern-day Herods want to wipe out any significance that the child Jesus presents. Why? Well, we can't but be challenged and encouraged by the wise men's attitudes and experience as they left their homes to travel thousands of miles to visit this child who they never heard of except through the Jewish sages and to worship him. No doubt the God of heaven was at work in their hearts and minds just as he has been at work in our hearts and minds. And when the wise men arrived in this foreign place to discover a poor Jewish child surrounded by many dangers of evil men who would do him in, they had to wonder and ask questions. The visit surely impacted them for a lifetime. And yet, they were left with a sense of peace and security. How has your travels to meet the Lord Jesus, how has your experience with Christ affected your life? Have you experienced peace and security? 
That is what Christ came for. That is what Jesus wants for you and for your life. He wants your life to take a new direction, possibly physically as Jeff Welch experienced when the Lord came and visited his life. But certainly, spiritually, he wants you to take a new direction. His greatest desire for you is not to experience a joyful Christmas and to experience all the trappings of the trees and the songs and the food and all of that. His desire for you is to know him personally, to experience his peace, and to travel home in a new direction. The truth is the Christmas season can be intense. It can be either an emotional letdown or it can be intensely satisfying. But it will be intense. Christmas can be exhausting. If you try to fill Christmas with false expectations, you will end up empty and depressed. But if you fill it with the right expectations that you look forward to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in power and glory, then you will know the peace that only Jesus can give. So, this season we should sit back, take a breath, think about it differently, and experience the presence of the Lord in a new and a different way. Stop living out our Christian lives based on our cultural expectations. Instead of turning the Christmas season into a busy, exhausting, depressing time, we should worship the Lord Jesus Christ in the fullness that he expected, the fullness that he desires. We must focus upon our journey to the Christ child as the wise men did. We should focus upon not the giving of gifts, but the experience of knowing Christ internally. Not to be distracted by the lights of the season, the trees and the food and the songs and the celebrating, but we should worship him internally. The wise men had been spiritually enriched. They faced the dangers of government coming after them, and yet they did so with peace, despite the harassing and persecution of Herod. The wise men traveled to their homes with a changed sense of values. These men, who were probably wealthy and privileged and had brought expensive gifts to Jesus, a total stranger, but when they saw this child, they worshipped him. They were overwhelmed by him. The king lived in a peasant's home rather than a palace. The king slept not in a golden crib, but in an animal trough. The king didn't wear purple robes like royalty, but was dressed in simple peasant's clothes. The king did not even live with his own father, but was entrusted to the care of a stepfather. The king that they discovered was raised not by a queen, but by a teenage Jewish mother. The king wasn't born in the capital of the nation, where commerce and important decisions were made, but a simple farming community. How amazed they must have been that their expectations had been all wrong. And now to see this humble setting and the child there, the king of Israel. They had to realize at that point that Yahweh, 
the father of this child was driving home a point to them, that the meek shall inherit the earth, not the rich and the powerful, that God is not impressed by what man owns or what he can give or by what man can build, but how he brings peace to the lowly. They must have been impressed by the character of Mary and Joseph and even of the Christ child. The Lord had no place really to lay his head, nor did he own anything. And yet this was the king of the Jews and the soon coming king of the world. The Lord didn't arrive in this world with cosmic fireworks, but was born in a lowly place where few could actually see him. There weren't elaborate decorations and celebrations to impress people. There was only his family and some, some animals to surround him and some poor shepherds that came to visit. Why is it we try to impress others with the glitz of the season, the presence that we give, to show how powerful and wonderful we are? Even church has forgotten the simplicity of Christ's birth. We have turned to great pageants, actually bringing animals into some churches, or singing Christmas trees. But Jesus came to a little town in Bethlehem with no pageantry, no one to sing of his birth, no fanfare. We should remember at this time of year the simple acrostic that many of us have heard in the past. Kiss when we celebrate Jesus. Keep it simple about the Savior. Keep it simple, saint. That's what I like to say. Listen to the words of this song, which we will sing in just a moment, which I believe gives us the simple truth about this season. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift was given. So God imports to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in the world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, the dear Christ enters in. The wise men were challenged by the simplicity of the life of the king, and so should we. Christmas is the perfect time not to indulge in excesses of the flesh, but the simplicity of the gospel and the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, based on the example of these men who came so far away to visit the Lord Jesus, we should be simple and humble in our lives. And as the wise men departed from their meeting with the Lord Jesus, their experience with the child king, they left different on a higher plane. As the wise men traveled home, they were now better men because they worshiped him that was truly worthy of their praise. In that day, people were forced literally to worship the Roman Empire or some other god which was forced upon them by some potentate. We live in a day when the worship of people is the common practice or the worship of idols, the choosing of people. Or we even live in the day in which men are worshipped. We've all watched those games where there are signs in the stands that say that so-and-so, because he's a great athlete, is God. You know what I'm talking about? Every year, there's someone new that receives the adulation of humankind. Today, This year might be Trump receiving the praise of men. But we should never fall for that. Our praise and worship should be of the child that was born in Bethlehem, who became 
the Savior of all mankind from the sin of the world. I believe it's the natural desire of men to worship something, oftentimes something greater than themselves. We, as Christians, shouldn't fall into that practice, but we should worship the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that is worthy of our worship. Maybe you've experienced a emotional letdown at Christmas. Maybe you're tired from all of the fanfare, the exercise of energy getting ready for this season. I trust maybe the experience of the wise men might help you to think outside the box this year and allow the Lord Jesus to change your practices and your attitudes towards his birthday. Allow him to change the direction of your life and what you value, that you might be a better person for having worshipped him in a new and a living way. It is worship of the Lord Jesus Christ that gives us new purpose, reinvigorates us, in our service of him. And as Paul reminds us in his epistle, when we think about the Lord Jesus rightly, when we think about what he has given to us, we can't help but say, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I pray that that is your experience this Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Let us thank God for the awesome gift of the child. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that the Lord Jesus came in human flesh, that he came to be a sacrifice for sin, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Help us to worship him. Help us to expect his return, his coming soon in which he will deliver us from bondage to the flesh, Lord, freeing us from the indwelling old man that we might know him perfectly and see him face to face, that indescribable gift. Help us, Lord, to worship him now freely. Help us to give him the adulation, the praise that he is due for what he has done and for what he is doing and for what he will do in us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.